0: And we're live on another episode of Guide Live with your boy, Tim Salau, CEO of Guide. It's another V2V Jam session. And I'm excited because I have a very special guest who is tuning in and beaming in all the way from the UK. Joining us today, Delilah Kopu is the creative director and co-founder at Imperfectionist Apps and it's a sustainable fashion brand that she started with a few friends of hers that is changing and transforming the world. I'm incredibly inspired by her, and she's also a part of our guide creator community. And today, we're going to dive deep on her thoughts on the future of sustainable fashion, how she got into design, and what's exciting her about the work that she's doing, as well as how she was inspired to start her business. With that said, we're going to bring on Delilah, and we're just gonna chat with her and we're gonna show some love. Please, if you have any questions, if you're tuning in right now, let us know where you're tuning in from and be a part of the conversation. Hey, Delilah,
1: how are you? Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? How are you holding up?
1: I'm fine, I'm a little tired, busy yep. days, always. I don't have weekends, but always happy. That I got, that I was wishing for. So, how, how is the weather in San Francisco?
0: You know what? The weather in the Bay Area is exquisite. Exquisite is what what how <laughs> describe it. Currently, I'm I'm in Oakland, so it's it's been really really good. But you're tuning in, you're beaming in from the UK, right?
1: No, actually, I'm uh, currently in Tokyo. I'm in Baltimore.
0: though. Oh, you're in Tokyo.
1: No, I'm in Turkey, not Tokyo.
0: Okay. 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 <laughs> I said, oh wait!
1: I would love to visit Tokyo one day. I love sushi. I want to see Tokyo Tower, and I also watched a movie about Tokyo Drift as well. Yeah. i was currently not in there yet.
0: Yeah, so, so so you're currently in Tokyo. Well, tell us a little bit more about your background because you've done so many different things. You know, based on you know what I know about you. So, t- t- tell us a little bit more about imperfectionist. How you started the brand and what what brought you out to Turkey.
1: Actually and I study in the UK yeah. and I'm from Istanbul and Istanbul is actually not most majority of people knows it because of the current political aspects yeah. but we had so many different cultures and we still have so many different cultures within just one city and it enabled me to see how uh, there is not only one culture in our lives there are so many other cultures and being able to see that even as a kid It helped me to see that there are different women, not only women, but also men struggling with different cultures and how many societies are putting, like when you have a different culture, you have different requirements from societies, and this society puts pressure on you. And it enabled me to see that every different culture has its beauty sides, as well as its little bit pressure from the society. And I like the sense of freedom but, of course, with a little bit of limitation, your, uh, I love this quote, your freedom ends when the uh, other person's freedom starts. Mm. So your freedom should never harm the other people's as well. Yep. Um, simply, my, uh, the idea came out as being able to accept ourselves, mm. being able to be free, freeing every part of ourselves, simply. So it was actually my business partner. She came to me and she was like, let's do an active wear." But I'm a designer who does hot cuter, actually. So I don't really do active wear. And I was like, okay, sustainable active wear sounds great. But I don't know if I want to do active wear, And At those times, I was quite interested in ethical fashion as well. Mm. Actually, I've done this fashion revolution Week, which I highly recommend. So simply, it's all about uh, garment workers and how Uh, many like hardships that they go through, not being able to be uh, affording for your insurance, not even insurance, those people who are being paid less than minimum wage, they cannot afford to send their children to school, leading that the children will need to start work, which causes child labor and stuff. I was very interested in it. And then I said, let's do a sustainable and ethical at leisure wear instead and I had a different approach to At Leisure. Most majority of people, they see it as rather active wear or street culture wear. Mm. I actually like to blend it a little. So actually this piece that I'm wearing is my signature piece. It's part of my Timeless Era collection. And simply my uh, aspect of At Leisure is quite different. So you can rather wear this top, go for a workout, go for a, a drink with friends, go for a business meeting so one environment with multiple uses is what at leisure is to me and also having items that can last longer using multiple different aspects the sense of you don't need to change the sort of the wipe as well because i know that lots of women they started to be more involved with business so we have lots of busy people rushing up and rushing so they don't need to change they look good whatever they're wearing with the uh, line because it's it's just applies in every occasion that was my biggest aim to
0: achieve -hmm. you know what I really love about you is how intentional that you have been about the building of imperfectionists and the quality of the fabric and how you source Mm -hmm. it and how you all think about the the type of even on wear experience that you all provide for people you know for you have you always wanted to be a designer the way you are now
1: Honestly, I was, I designed since I was seven and I've never taken any designing courses. That was the main thing. I'm a marketing and management student and I'm still in my second year in uni. Wow. I don't know, arts has always been a great way of expressing myself and fashion, uh, makeup and this was a huge inspiration for me and honestly I wanted to be a designer even before I recognized that I wanted to be a designer.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, who have been some of the people in your life that have inspired you to build Imperfectionists or kind of continue on this career path that you're you're going on right now?
1: Honestly, uh, when I look at my family, my mom, she's a businesswoman. Hmm. My grandmother, she's a lawyer. So I come back from actually a part of a business uh, structured family, sort of. My grandfather, he had his own company as well but none of them were actually in sense of fashion. Fashion hmm. has always been my thing in the family, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I have to uh, name a special names, I think that would be probably Gianni Versaggi. Ah! Uh, I mean, I can go with big names, though. I mean, when you look at, uh, Business structures and stuff. I can hundred percent say that it was both of my grandmothers and my mother who inspired me to be more stronger, to have a voice, to stand out, to go there. Because when you see women doing this stuff, Mm. it really inspires me. Though, but when you also see designers, but Gianni actually, he's not only a designer for me. He's a creator, being able to create an entire lifestyle just from a point of like small thing, that's a very big and inspirational thing for me so I can go with my, rather with my mother and my grannies or
0: Jenny Versace. Yeah no and it's powerful right how our family you know at an early age really molds us to, to be the people that, that we want to be and do the things that we love you know for you you know why do you think so many people fail to build what they love early on in their career what do you think is often preventing them to do so?
1: I think uh, maybe they're not very much willing to do it. So like they want to do it, but sometimes society's pressure yeah. and even self doubt For me, it was not very much about society. It was about my self-taughts and I'm still actually trying to push myself as well. Am yeah. I good enough? Can I do this? What are the consequences? We actually think too much before we do something. Yeah. Thinking is good, but overthinking, that actually harms us as well. And I feel like that is a huge point uh, that keeps people away. What do you think about it?
0: You know, a hundred percent agree. People overthink too much, you know.
1: I mean I'm an overthinker too. I can yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You
0: know, and personally my belief is that you iterate as you go, you learn as you go, and that the best entrepreneurs, the best, the most successful people are perpetual learners. And you can't always think before you do. You just have to do and then follow through. You get what I'm saying? Do and then follow through with what you're learning, how you're learning, how you're creating impact and just compounding, right? And you know, my belief is that what castrates people when it comes to starting something new as an imperfectionist or as a guide is that they don't feel as if they can do it. And because they are always surrounded by limiting beliefs. In fact, the other day, was actually talking to an investor, right? After after, literally just came from a meeting talking with the CEO of LinkedIn, Ryan Roslansky. Was talking to this investor about Guide, and he tells me, "Oh, you got you guys can't do this. You guys can't do it. It's not possible. It's not possible." And thinking to myself, just told this to the, the CEO of LinkedIn that you know God is a possible. He's bought in. He, he sees our movement. And then this investor who has no idea, you know, he, he was pat, pattern matching. He hasn't even probably, you know, built a business a day in his life before. He tells me that we can't. And w- when, you know, when I got a, a sense of that negative energy, but more importantly, that scarcity mindset completely turned me off to working with him as a business owner, but also caused me to realize that there's people who succeed in business and people who don't. And it's often the people who, Always see possibilities versus the people who are always operating within limitations. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, to be honest, Alex, we've pitched our idea to different investors as well. And I always looked into those opportunities as an opportunity. And honestly, some people are quite racist as well when they see, that's like, I don't want to get too much into it, but that's irritating. We're living in 21st century. So grow up, please, or have a proper mindset. Yeah. Simply some people, by the way, this was a very interesting question. That's why I asked you back as well. So simply, my thought is that whenever someone doesn't believe in your idea, they don't have to, I mean, sometimes we are not in the mood to be the best speaker or maybe they just don't like the idea at that point my suggestion would be just keep the negativity out of you and say thank you so much but i'm going to continue this idea whatever like the most important thing is that you believe in your idea that you can do this but you should never blind yourself and Mm. actually if, if a business fails that is a learning process like people are so obsessed with the idea of failure being so bad, so, uh, such a big influence on their lives. Yeah. It's not, just learn from it. You're, unless you fail on something, you cannot like become the top at it. Yeah. I remember when I was around six, uh, I used to do horse riding. My mom, she actually put me on uh, back of a horse when I was 18 months old. Wow. I love horseback riding and I love horses. And I remember when I was around 6 7 there was my teacher who was teaching me to do like um, stuff for tournaments and etc. and she told me that unless you fall 7 times from a horse you cannot call yourself a rider.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you got, you have to fall in order to- I, I
1: was counting. I was counting, but then yeah. I learned that, oh, okay, she didn't meant like that. She meant the failures. But as a kid, I was seriously counting how many times that I fell from a pony. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that.
0: No, love that so much. And you know, your mom is right. You have to fall. You have to, you have to fail in order to be able to build the, what do they, what do they refer to that? The resilience- Thick in to continue pushing through. I want to show love to Danielle Banda who's listening right now. What's the topic today? So, Daniela, we are diving deep with the amazing Delilah about what the future of fashion and sustainable fashion looks like. Her company that she killed that she built, Imperfectionists, as well as her background and how she started and what inspired her to start Imperfectionists. You know, I want to ask you. You know where you know, where do you feel the future of sustainable fashion is going? You shared a little bit about you know the type of fabrics that you all put into your clothes and that you all are manufacturing. Where do you think it's going? What are two to three kind of predictions in your mind, um, Delilah, of the future of sustainable design and, and fashion? To be honest, also,
1: Danielle. So, secondly, I. <laughs> I was, before before pandemic, I was thinking that sustainable fashion was always going to be an emerging sort of trend-wise. Mm. But now with the, uh, after pandemic, I feel like more people have seen how much harm fashion industry is causing. Yeah. Because before the pandemic, fashion industry was expected to create 30 billion tons of waste by 2030. And fashion industry is the second largest polluter in the world. And I feel like after pandemic, people started to recognize this more. And I've seen lots of innovative fabrics, I have to be honest. I've seen one, it's called Banana Text, and they made fabric from banana. I was oh. like, oh my God, this is so cool. And actually, I really like the texture. They used it as a bag, which I'm, I'm actually designing one as well. But it will be launched soon, straight after our sweatshirts are launched then I feel like, to be honest, there's going to be way much more innovative fabrics. And I feel like sustainable fashion is going to be the main fashion. Mm. And the idea of being timeless, that is actually very important for me because we, uh, trends, like, okay, I'm going to try to explain it as straight as possible because when I go into detail, I speak about it hours. (laughs) (laughs) So simply trends, because of trends, there are more collections coming up. We have brands like H&M and Zara who goes up to 16, 24 collections a year and they use actually polyester. And people just think that polyester is a fabric. No, polyester is plastic. You're literally wearing your plastic water bottle. So just be aware of. And it doesn't leave our landfill around 500 years. So simply when we leave uh, our items, donate it, throw it out, we don't see and we don't think about it, which I call this phase after use. And I feel like fashion industry is going to uh, take over into more biodegradable items. Sense mm. of timeless and uh, more long-lasting longevity items is going to be on more trend. Because now we have like spring collection, winter collection. And uh, yesterday, Jack Moose, he has done his uh, new collection. I loved it. The collection is perfect. Yeah. So I did- saw his name. I wake up at 9 a.m. and I was checking my phone. Is there anything coming from my atelier? Do I need to check for anything? Then I saw it on Instagram. And I didn't have to see his name. I was like, okay, this is definitely Jack Moose. And the show is amazing. The designs are amazing. Two of my favorite models are there. It's literally goals. But the problem is that it's still identified as summer collection.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Do we really need seasonal items? Like, I see people wearing shirts like t-shirts on winter and i see people wearing sweatshirts in summer like in some summer evening i'm this person who is always cold so i feel like we should go more seasonless and be more timeless and that's actually why my collection is called timeless era
0: so you think we're moving towards a more sustainable timeless mm-hmm. era of fashion where more biodegradable Materials will be used uh, and mm-hmm. items that will allow for multi-use case, multi-context, mm-hmm. you know, experiences. Because you, you, you I mean, given COVID nineteen, a lot of people are staying in, but they're still moving. They're still mobile, right? But you know, people don't want to continue just buying season after season after season. They want to be able to wear something in multiple at home, at work, you know, on the go, and feel comfortable in it. So that's where you think fashion is going, correct? Yes, of
1: course. And I'm also thinking that. We're wearing how to say, uh in the past as Chanel changed the uh, the fashion industry by her little black dress, and now I feel like we're gonna change the fashion into more unisex items as well. Because I honestly love to wear like baggy stuff. and mm. like how say baggy like I like to use baggy sweatshirts as a dress. I love Ariana Grande's style for that as well. She I love it. I, she's so cute. Anyway. <laughs> Me fangirling for two seconds.
0: (laughs) It is awesome.
1: (laughs) So simply, I think that we're going to go with more biodegradable items, innovative fabrics, unisex items, seasonless, timeless items. Mm. And that's why I think where fashion industry is going to head. And I feel like sustainable fashion is going to be the main fashion in next decade
0: mm-hmm mm, mm. I want uh, let me ask you you know the importance of how, how important education has been for you in your career and how you' developed your your brand and you know you, you're building your business you know because with guide we're really focused on quality educational content for professionals you know how did you learn all of the things that you do now you know what it was your process of seeking information and just making sure that you were learning from the, the best sources?
1: To be honest, I, as I mentioned before, I'm a marketing and management student. And hopefully as soon as I finish my last assignment, I'm going to be in my third year. <laughs> I don't really have no time. I've done my four courseworks during pandemic, but I was again busy with company and stuff. So I yeah. didn't have to do my coursework. And <laughs> You're
0: actually building something, yeah.
1: All my friends are receiving mails like "Congratulations, you made it to your third year," and I'm receiving an email saying, "Miss Koppus, please submit your work latest by third of August." And I'm like, "Okay, sorry, I'm doing it." <laughs> Anyways, I have chosen marketing and management hmm. because I felt like no matter how good your idea is, you need to know how to market it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, in last year of my uh, high school, I was in Turkey, and I've decided to study abroad. And honestly, I could, uh, I needed to take foundation. Mm. So, simple. oh, okay. I see a question. And the we got to
0: show you love. Thank you so much, Daniela. And Daniella. so, thank you so much for, for paying attention to Daniela's question. So, she wants to ask you do you think sustainable fashion will ever be affordable for everyone? Mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but every time I see someone selling sustainable fashion, it's expensive compared to fast fashion.
1: Mm-hmm. No, she's totally right. And that's another thing that we're trying to tackle down. So simply fast fashion is cheap because they're not paying enough money to their labor. And the fabrics are very cheap as well. So simply when you're using polyester per kilo is usually average price is around $6, $7. And you can, but the recycled polyester is around $12 per kilo on average. And it goes even increased if you use like aquafil. Like Ecoline, bigger brands, bigger fabrics and stuff, like bigger names in the industry. So unfortunately, you're not very much able to put discounts on it, because as a sustainable and ethical business, our fabrics, they cost the mass majority of our budget. And because we are uh, providing high quality, long lasting items, that is also biodegradable. So I feel like it's going to be more useful to pay a bigger amount and use it in long terms in different occasions than paying for, a, don't know, like a dress $10 and then wear it only one night just for Instagram. And you need to know that whenever you purchase a fast fashion item, there is someone else paying that cheap price difference. So simply brands who produce in Bangladesh, I'm not going to name any, But there are actually very big brands as well that are doing this. They cannot afford to pay. Like they can afford to pay, but simply they're not paying enough money to the actually people who are making these clothes. So when you are paying, let's say, $10 for a dress, which was actually worth $20, that $10 is getting out of the pocket of that person who cannot even afford to feed their children that night. So unfortunately, I think... uh, I want to make it more affordable, but I, as, say, as long as more innovative fabrics are in the industry, I feel like that's when it's going to be more uh, affordable because now it's very hard to cut down on the budget. Like yeah, yeah. fabrics, cost of employees and stuff. So simply, and those are the stuff that we actually need to pay because simply by selling an item for, let's say, $200, but paying that person only $10 for making that item makes the garment more uh, valuable than a human being, which is actually something that we need to be very uh, aware of.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that's such a powerful response. And it speaks to this kind of human humanitarian streak that we're going to be seeing within the next few years, in my belief, around the circular economy and how people want to be a part of brands and they want to be a part of movements where it's human and, you know, people are not taking advantage of depleted resources and they're not taking advantage of people. And the best brands that are going to succeed within the next seven to 10 years are going to be the ones that focus on humanity and they focus on thinking about how do we drive humanity through either sustainable fashion, creating access to opportunity, and really putting heart and intentionality in everything that we do, making sure it's essentially quality, but also at the same time, quality doesn't mean cheap. Quality can also be accessible, affordable, and make you feel good, right? And I think we're definitely moving towards that era in terms of fashion, as well as technology as well. What do you think?
1: I totally agree with, we um, have skipped the question of education. But if you want to come back to that, that's totally fine too. But let's speak with technology. And thank you so much, Daniela, for your question. I hope I answered it well. So simply with technology, I feel like there is a huge new era coming. And as you know, me and technology, we don't get along well, but I'm trying to (laughs) recently we have released our face filter for imperfectionists. I'm getting there. I learned to use the uh, software step by step. I didn't know that making a face filter would be this uh, hard, you know. I thought it was going to be just like creating an Instagram post. (gasps) Then I learned that there's a whole software for it. I was like, yay. (laughs) But anyways, um, have you ever heard of FaceTime photo shoots?
0: Yes, we have.
1: Yes, I've done three of them actually. Uh, And yes, I've I've done a shoot with a photographer from Brazil whom I have never met in person also if anyone wants to follow him on Instagram solar Roach he is literally amazing and we honestly I've done a FaceTime shoot way much better than my studio shoots which I was very impressed by there is a special app and I feel like technology is bringing us all together no matter how far we are so simply um, FaceTime photo shoots the AR filters, And I've also found out a new software, which I'm uh, going to start learning next week, I hope I will do well at at it because again, me and technology, (laughs) (laughs) so simply it's for 3d designing. And as now we cannot have as many fashion shows as we used to, Mm. it enables you to have a 3d fashion show. It enables you to have a 3d version of your design. And that's something that I want to learn as well. And I feel like technology is going to change the entire industry way much further. Like, we, we're going to be probably so advanced for me, yeah, but yeah. I'll get there as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely permeating into fashion. Delilah, thank you so much for being a part of our Guide Live podcast, B2B Jam Session, this lovely, beautiful Saturday. You know, one want to cap things off and ask you, how can the people who are part of our Guide community be a part of your movement and, you know, where, they can, where can they connect with you and the Imperfectionist brand?
1: Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn. It's Delilah Copus And I use Instagram more often. <laughs> I love Instagram. I'm not going to lie. There are so many visuals and I love to create visuals. So simply, you can find me on Instagram. It's Delilah Coppus. And our brand is Imperfectionist Official
0: love it love it so definitely check out delilah mrs copos on instagram she's phenomenal amazing creative amazing designer and delilah just want to say we incredibly love the movement that you're leading we love you due to the fact that you are brave and you know you're leading the future and a lot of people who risk their ideas and actually do them and pursue them are people that we want to be a part of their movement within GUIDE. So we really appreciate you for everything that you're doing to change the world. And you're right. You're creating the future right now with the work that you're doing with Imperfectionists. And we're just happy to be a part of it and to have you a part of our GUIDE community. So thank you so much for for for, for, for really being committed to your ideas. Because I think one of the things that you know I personally learned as a founder and as a creative, is that you know the best way to change the world and the, the people who, who 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 do change the world are the people who believe who are crazy enough to believe that they can. And that's a really powerful um, concept. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Lots of love to the guide community. Thank you so much, Tim.
0: Ah, thank you, thank you. With that said, that caps off another episode of Guide Live. B2B Jam Session. If you love this episode, please make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Show us some love. Share this with your networks. Hit me up if you have feedback on how we can continue to improve our episodes. Or if you have an idea of who the next Delilah Kapoose is that we should have on the show, let us know. We'll definitely have them on the show. Our platform is your platform. So definitely check out utfow.com to sponsor a future episode, or sign up to be a future guest. With that said, once again, y'all, I'll be talking to you all soon. Peace, love, and abundance. Be well, y'all. Much love.